0: It's footy time with Daniel Andrews, and once again I'm joined on the other line by Johnny Raff. Good to see you again, Johnny.
1: Pleasure to be here, Dan.
0: So round two, eh? Plenty happening. What caught your What's eye happening? from round two? Um,
1: well, there was plenty to catch, plenty to catch your eye, but um, there were plenty of great performances. Uh, look, I'm sure we're going to be getting into many of them, but um, my player that caught my eye was Mark O'Connor from the Cats, uh, who went to guard Lockie Neal for the game and kept him to three positions up until halftime and just frustrated the heck out of him. I thought that was just, <laughs> that,
0: it was great to see that. And the tag is back then. <laughs> the tag is back. A lot of people have been calling for it for a while, haven't they? Oh, yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like, what was it about what Mark O'Connor was doing that was so frustrating? He was just wearing him like a gu- glove, really, wasn't he?
1: wearing him like a glove just getting under his skin i'm sure there was a bit of a uh, bit of sledging here and there and um yeah it, it i mean players have tagged looking you before but he just seemed to be really frustrated with this one
0: it's interesting though isn't it like this whole propensity to not want to tag at the moment because you're sort of taking someone out of your zone but you what can you gain by you know nullifying the opposition's best player so i guess the thinking for a while has been don't tag but you know i think sometimes you really should be tagging <laughs>
1: you got to weigh it up but um you know if there's a player that's damaging and there's all the talks about whether or not to tag dustin martin at the moment um <laughs> you know you got to look at the risk versus reward i guess
0: exactly it'll be interesting to see whether teams are more keen to start trying the tag here and there because it's really gone out of vogue for a while yeah so i think i stole this one off you as well johnny but it was Cozzy Pickett who caught my eye. <laughs> Those quick feet of his. He's only um, going to get better, eh?
1: Oh, look, he's just exciting anytime he's near the contest, really. I mean, um, you know, he he really stays in that contest as well. He, he doesn't really give up. I mean, he's got some flesh, but there's this relentless effort and just never-say-die attitude, I guess.
0: Yeah, Melbourne moved up the draft order. A- couple of years ago now, wasn't it, to make sure they got him. And geez, <laughs> melbourne it was melbourne really bit of a reach. Need, yeah, Melbourne have really needed a small forward for a long time, so he's going to be invaluable. But yeah, seeing him dodge some tackles and sort of dance around before he snapped that important goal when Melbourne was really struggling, was just what they needed. And it's great that they've actually got a player like that now that they can rely on.
1: I actually heard Kane Korn say the other day, Dan, that he's the closest thing he's seen to Cyril. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit early, but he does move a little bit like Cyril. Yeah he's,
0: got that, yeah, he's got that same, like, injection of pace, obviously. And, you know, when he does go near the ball, you're already expecting something to happen. Yeah, oh, for sure. It was even a little bit like that last year. But when he was, he was getting to the right spots last year, but he was almost a bit too quick for himself. Like, he was just trying to do things too quickly. It looks like he's sort of come down a level. But even by coming down a level, he's still quicker than everyone else. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. And he's um, you know, he's he's got much more confidence in front of goal, taking shots and things like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's one to enjoy for the now, but also hopefully he can, uh, you know, blossom into a really good player for Melbourne. All right. So so something a little bit different for this week. We're going to have a look at game of the round. So I don't think there'd be too much. Contentious about this, which game we chose here. So it was the Sunday afternoon clash between the Western Bulldogs and the West Coast Eagles at West Coast Eagles at Marvel Stadium. Do you catch a little bit of this one, Johnny?
1: I did. um, This was just a great game of footy. I mean, it was everything we cry out for: Um, end to end, ball pinging around. um, Yeah, one word: the bond. (laughs) Thirty touches. Yep. Oh, 93% efficiency, three goals. I mean, that's an automatic three low votes as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I don't think Bont probably has to do quite as much as some other players to get the three votes, but he definitely deserved them on this occasion. <laughs>
1: it's just so damaging.
0: So I did have a bit of a look as well at uh, the worm for this game, and there was actually 10 lean changes. So it gives you just an idea of, um, you know, what a contest it was. And the energy was huge the whole time, up and back. And, um, Real fast. I think it was... I can't remember whether it was in the first quarter or second quarter, but Liam Ryan gathered it pretty close to the boundary, and there was a Bulldogs player between him and the goals. I think it was Gardner. and uh, That's right. He, he knew he had him even before he took a step, but <laughs> the Bulldogs guy just couldn't lay a glove on him.
1: <laughs> this was just really... You had to feel sorry for Gardner because... He just sold. he didn't just sell him candy, he sold him candy like two or three times at least. And <laughs> it was something uh, you'd see in the yeah. schoolyard really. Like he was yeah. that
0: badly beaten. <laughs>
1: oh, but, yeah, it was great to watch Loline Run. Um yeah.
0: It prompted me to go back and rewatch his mark of the year over Gordon. Do you remember that I think oh, it was t- a couple of years ago now when Melbourne was up that? on him um, in WA and then I think it was in the last few minutes or maybe last five minutes, he just speckied Gordon in the square like horizontally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember as soon as the ball was kicked, my eyes were on Liam Ryan and I saw him starting his run-up and I thought, I just... Yeah.
0: It's not going to end well. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it was just... Perfectly set up for him. Oh, yeah, me you knew you. are doing well to Specky Ruckman though, but yeah, definitely worth having <laughs> a look at. If you guys uh, don't know what we're talking about, just Google Liam Ryan Markabea and uh, it was at a hugely crucial stage of that game as well. Yeah. All right, so back to this game. So for the Eagles, it was really their tall forwards firing. So three-prong attack, Kennedy four, Darling three, and Oscar Allen two as well. So they weren't probably getting as much of the ball as the Bulldogs, but when they were getting a look at it, more often than not, they were actually able to make it count, and most of these guys are kicking pretty straight as well. So helping West Coast either stay in the game or kick ahead in a, on a couple of occasions.
1: I was really impressed with some of the Bulldogs' efforts late in the game. There were a lot of 50-50s that were there to be won, and they were just equal to the task. And I think, in particular, Bailey, Willim, Bailey, Bailey Williams, um, the spoil against three West Coast players that I think set I think it was Smith who um, rebounded and got it to Bruce who got it to bont for the sealer. That was, yeah, um, those are the moments. Those are the moments that you, you want to see.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. I think it was just one of those games. You just needed someone to separate at the end. And as you were saying, it was a bit of Williams, a bit of Bont. But yeah, the Bulldogs really did it when they when it counted. And it was Norton standing up as well with a couple of last quarter goals. They were struggling to put it on the board for a while. It kicked a lot of points, but they got it going when it counted.
1: Uh, cold-blooded there, Norton. <laughs> yeah, ice in his veins.
0: I guess that's one of the things for the Bulldogs that are always going to have to look out for. Like They don't really have that many natural forwards. So it's always going to be a bit of a question mark whether they can actually get the score on the board. But I guess if you're generating that many shots, you'd hope that some of them are going to go through. It's been something they've
1: struggled with for a while, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, they've brought in Steph Martin in the ruck and, yeah, he's got a few good young forwards here. So, yeah, maybe the tide's turning.
0: There's definitely a lot to like. But, uh, yeah, I think that's probably, you know, still what you would call out on the dogs like are they going to be able to kick a score like the midfield is obviously extremely strong they're pretty settled down back although maybe lacking one really big defender but overall I guess the forward line is still a little bit of a question mark but geez if they're getting that much quality ball out of the midfield then yeah. you're still going to kick a winning score more it's often it's going to be
1: enough. hard not to score you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right but no matter. even though Bulldogs are playing so well it was actually West Coast who hit the front with three and a half minutes remaining after Jermaine Jones got one off the back of the pack from the square as easy as you like so it was close all the way to the end and as you alluded to a little earlier Johnny with one minute left on the clock Bulldogs up by a single point it was up to Bont to uh seal the game so I don't quite know how he got out he was by himself there was no one within 30 meters of him he must have just run that hard (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not the kind of guy you leave alone in the Ford 50 year. <laughs>
0: yeah, so something broke down there, but yeah, maybe, you know, that late in the game, not everyone can bust their guts to run. but yeah, he got to the right spot, took the 30 seconds and nailed the goal. And I guess that's another thing for Bont. Like he's always in the last few years at least he's been a fantastic player, but the goal kicking's always been a little bit of a question mark.
1: That's right, and um, it seems to be a question mark with a lot of these elite players, I guess. Um, just their ability to cap off these great games with a, with a couple of goals, and yeah, it was really good to see him just like take this by the scruff of the neck and put him through the big sticks.
0: Yeah, I think maybe the tide has turned with Bontempelli. I know it's easy to say that after he kicks three goals, but he looked very assured on the set shots, and he had a snap as well. He's, he's really good on the snap from a fair way out, so yeah. like if he becomes you know, one of these elite midfielders that is actually good around goals, you know, that elevates him above a lot of them. Like, I'd say at Absolutely. the moment he's, he's, his goal kicking is better than Dangerfield, who's not a bad goal kick but for goal, but I think Bots doing it a bit better than him at the moment, so... I would
1: agree with that, yeah.
0: So, yeah, if he can do this semi-consistently, I think, yeah, he just goes to another level because I don't think it's ever been questioned, you know, how much impact he can have on a game. But you know, and he's always going to get a certain amount of the ball. But he's just been getting plenty of the ball, and you know, really impactful stuff. And obviously, you know, kicking these long goals when they really need it—that's yeah. going to do the job for the team. So really, all in all, it was a five-goal to two last quarter that saw that saw the bullies over the line to uh, win by seven points. That seesawing battle—that's what we love to see, isn't it? You know, back and forth, especially for a neutral. Plenty of yeah. lead changes, edgy fantastic you stuff. Fantastic game so great two uh, 2-0 start for the bulldogs and see where it takes them eh? so that kind of sure. that kind of leads us into our next topic so we've got quite a few teams on two and zero and there's also quite a few teams on zero and two so uh we set each other the challenge of basically trying to work out um what's happening with some of these teams why are the teams either two and zero or zero and two and you know is it achievable If you are 0-2, you know, is two and zero really as good as it looks? So we're gonna go through each team uh, pretty briefly, but just having a look at what's going on with some of these teams. So going down the ladder, we've got Port Adelaide on top as one of the two and zero teams. So I've got a reason for optimism and a cause for concern for each one of these. So for the, the reason for optimism for me, is they seem to have uh, developed even further their back half transition. So they're getting quite a lot of goals from the back line, which they didn't seem to get a lot of last year. And they've also just got heaps of options in attack now. So they're not quite as Dixon centric. They've got Giorgiades, they've got uh, Butters, Fantasia, Rosie when he comes back in. So they're just really dangerous both with talls and smalls so there's a lot to like just on the
1: game style dan this has been really unprecedented with port i mean i think last year they were really just predominantly a, a forward half pressure you know lock the ball in and generate the scoring shots from turnovers in the forward half this look this is kind of extraordinary just seeing how much their game styles just evolved they seem to i think i saw a stat that they've uh i think nine out of 10 of their goals are coming from the back half. It's, yeah, it's it's really kind of uncanny.
0: I wonder whether it had a bit to do with the rules coming in and they knew that, you know, maybe they would have to change a bit and maybe some of the players they brought in as well. But it does seem like a really big change. They're just moving it a lot quicker and not quite as dependent on uh, turning it over in the forward half to actually generate their goals. They look very dangerous.
1: I think some of the players that have come in have definitely helped that. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: So what's the cause for concern then? Well, it's basically can this game style hold up against the best teams? And I guess you only really get that answer when you play the better teams, but they showed last year that they could compete with the good teams and you know, ran it pretty close with Richmond in the prelim, so you'd say all, all, everything's looking up for Port really.
1: It is a brand of footy that has proven to be successful, so I don't see why they can't go pretty
0: far with it. Yeah, I think Kane Corn said that he reckons this is the best Port team since the 2005 Grand Final. So there's a lot yeah. going right at the moment. So we'll see Absolutely. how see how far they can ride that wave. But, you know, they yeah. didn't finish top last year. There's no, I don't think there's any reason to think that they couldn't finish top again this year. And maybe uh, they'll be a bit more seasoned in the finals if they can get there.
1: love some of these young kids, um, especially Zach Butters. I mean, he's just got this perfect... <laughs> Mix of being hard at it, but really silky skills. He's a fantastic kick.
0: Yeah, they got a lot of good kids, but also complemented by some of their older players. I think their mix is really good. It's a great mix, yeah. They do seem to just understand their role. So there's a bit of Richmond in them, in just how well drilled they are and all those sorts of things. So I guess that's what you kind of need at the moment to be competitive right at that top level.
1: Definitely need that mix.
0: All right, so second on the ladder, Richmond. Reason for optimism. Well... Dusty's firing during the season, which doesn't which doesn't always happen no. this early in a season. So that's fantastic to see, especially for Richmond supporters, but just really all footy supporters because it's good to see Dusty playing well. But it also just looks like the hunger's still there, so no Absolutely. problems there. So that's, as a Richmond supporter, you'd be loving that.
1: Oh, that's absolutely right. the The hunger is definitely still there. You see them going for these 50-50 contests like their life depends on it. And even in the preseason, that's just yeah, it's it's such a good culture they've developed there. And
0: there's still yeah, a lot I, of competition for spots, isn't there? So like, oh yeah, it's there's not really much they can do in terms of taking it easy. If they do that for a week or two, they'll be out of the team. So I think they've that's still right. got that ruthless culture, which is yeah, what probably take what you fair want. Way. All right, causes for concern for Richmond. Well, not really much can concern them, I don't think, at the moment, but. (laughs) Not really. One of my mates, Watson, who's a Richmond supporter, pointed this out to me. They actually play every single undefeated team in the next four rounds. So. (laughs) that's That's a little bit of a test. You you could reverse that and say, you know, it's not so good for the other teams as well, but, you know, it doesn't get much tougher than that, even if you are the reigning Premier.
1: There's. It's as tough as it'll be for them this season, probably, yeah.
0: So that'll be Port Adelaide, Sydney, Melbourne, and the Bulldogs all in the next month. So it'll be interesting to see how Richmond goes there. Obviously, they'd probably start favourite in all of those games, but, you know, it'll be interesting for them to see where they're at there. All right, next on the ladder, a little bit unexpected. Uh, Sydney Swans are right up there reasons for optimism and this is why they're so high up in the ladder they've seemed to have you know come out with this really attacking game style and both of their first two games they've cracked the 120 mark so it's pretty extraordinary when most teams are still struggling to get to 100 and the other thing I'd say about the Swans which I think we alluded to this a bit last week but they've got so many bloody good kids they're just uh, they seem to be just stacked
1: yeah I mean they have got the cornerstone I guess of that you know winning the hard ball thing. I don't think that's going to go away not while John Longweiser in, but um, yeah, they've just opened it up and it's really fun to watch and you throw Buddy in the mix so in, in a few weeks when he's up to uh, when he's at full tilt, <laughs> it could get a bit scary.
0: <laughs> could do yeah. I, I, again, like they do look very different to last year. so it is interesting some of the tweaks that we've seen in the off season. And maybe it's been yeah. exacerbated by, you know, some of these rule changes. So it looks like it's having more of an effect than maybe it would normally. But, yeah, it's, it's great to see some of these teams playing a really attacking game style while still yeah. being able to defend as well. Exactly. But what could be the cause for concern? Well, you know, is it just a flash in the pan? It's only two weeks and there's a lot to like But you know, is it sustainable? And we don't know the answer to that, obviously, but... It think, is only two weeks. Yeah. Um,
1: like you could say, they caught Brisbane on an off day, and they played the wooden spoons from last year. If you were on to take the glass half empty approach, but uh, it's also two wins. So yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: As Sydney, you'd take the two wins. I know Brisbane's been pretty flat so far this year, but you can only beat who you're up against, and they've been mighty impressive. So, and with that, you know, with their good culture, I don't think they're really a team that's liable to completely drop off. So, yeah. You know. I think, yeah, like, top eight is definitely achievable for them. Oh, if, definitely if, achievable. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, another team to watch out for. Not going to be easy to beat by any means. Uh, next on the ladder, surprising for a lot of people, I'm sure, Melbourne. They're holding <laughs> down fourth at the moment. So, <laughs> that's it. Two and zip. I think they've actually conceded the least points of anyone so far. So that's... interesting. That's... uh. A good nod to the defence, which looks great. Pretty settled it's now. Really clicked. May and Lever. And we've got Tomlinson playing as that Played second a good goal. goal. As second tall defender. Allowing Lever to drop off a bit. And even Gordon's getting back a bit. So yes, they're not they easy the to score against by any means. Um,
1: also, I think like Neville Jetta showed that he's still got a little bit left in the tank. I think it's Sinkuna,
0: yeah. Yeah, he absolutely did. it, like... Even Hunt did some nice things, but yep. uh, they just look like a really settled back six. And I don't know what it was like for you a couple of years ago watching Melbourne, but like I was basically petrified every time it went inside 50 because, you know, half the time they would just make some diabolical error and, you know, just concede a goal even well, when we were... it was a pretty dirty entry.
1: Yeah, we are playing, you know, we're trying to play the zone, and um, it looked like there was just no cohesion at all and no communication, and no one knew what they were doing. So.
0: <laughs> it really did look like they didn't know what they are doing. So <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty much the complete opposite at the moment. So yeah. long may it uh, remain. So I think the other thing I would say, reason for optimism for Melbourne, is the spread through the midfield looks heaps better. So I think especially for the last few years, they've been extremely relied on uh, Oliver... And Viney in particular, uh, throw Petrarca in there, and it's really fallen off from there. I think, I don't know whether it was a coaching thing, you know, not wanting to move these guys out that much, but now they've got, I think, six or seven guys running through there, and it just looks so much better. Those better guys are more impactful now, and uh, it's just a better um, spread to uh, get the ball going Melbourne's way.
1: And you look at someone like Ed Langdon, I mean, he's just made a massive difference in in tracking back in transition and things like that. And uh, yeah, it's just, he's been an amazing picker.
0: Yeah, even like the new guys, like James Jordan, Tom Sparrow, yeah. they're doing their job. They're not doing their job, they're not, absolutely. They're not being superstars, but not everyone has to be a superstar. Take your turn in there, get the Do ball going world. Melbourne's way. And I think they're already seeing some of the fruit of that, not being so reliant on those top couple. Yeah. Uh so causes for concern for Melbourne. Well, we're always gonna be concerned where Melbourne supporters. That's <laughs> not gonna change. Um so I guess one thing you could point to in the first couple of weeks here is they really haven't put teams away. They've essentially they've been on top the majority of both of these games against Fremantle and also against and Kilda. Yeah, it's really a twenty point win in each case and I think if you talk to a lot of Melbourne supporters, they probably say it should have been closer to six or seven goals. <laughs>
1: I've uh, had about at least three people tell me that over the weekend, and that was
0: pretty repetitive. And I agreed
1: with it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but there's a, I think there's a few things that really need to uh, improve if they are to have any success this year. I mean, I mean, one thing is, uh, you know, Bailey Fritch, I love the guy, and he finds space, and he's he's so smart uh, at finding the footy inside fifty, but. It's just, it's hurting us now when he has these games that are one goal four, you know, one goal five. It just
0: Yeah, absolutely. cost you. Uh, I have absolutely no confidence when he has a set shot anymore. Like, I think when he first came in, he was a beautiful kick. The ball didn't deviate when he kicked it, but I'm not quite sure what happens. And he still sometimes kicks like that, but... More it, often he sort of does his like three quarter half kick that seems to sort of fade to the left, so he doesn't. He's
1: got that. He's got a reasonably good action, especially as a left footer. He's got a. He he can get onto it, like he can definitely get some distance. But there's just something missing when it comes to yeah, like, just guiding it through. Yeah,
0: it just it just doesn't quite seem to work what he's trying to do, and I'm sure they're trying to fix it, but. And, like, the strange thing is when he kicks it well, like, it still goes straight through, but just not enough of them yeah. are actually taking that trajectory. Most of them are tailing away to the left, and he can't take that into account for some reason. But you're right. Yeah. Like, it kills you. Like, even at the start of the St. Kilda game, he was the one getting all the shots. And, yeah. um, like, that was one of the reasons why Melbourne was down early, just because, you know. And that, I know that. He so well to get them as well. I mean, yeah. you just.
1: Like I said, he finds the real he's really clever, really yeah. clever.
0: And there's plenty of guys who, you know, aren't the best goal kickers, but, you know, if he's one of the main guys who's going for goal, you want to have some confidence that he's at least like a 50-50 shot. And exactly. It, it just does exactly. not seem that way at the moment. No. Yeah, so there you go. Plenty of causes for concern, even when you're 2-0 and zero <laughs> for Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have been any other way. All right. We've got the Bulldogs, the Western Bulldogs. We've already talked about him a bit reasons for optimism so they've got a bit of a point of difference getting that fast handball going through the midfield even in the forward line i saw one of their goals i think they had a chain of about five handballs within the 50 so they can do it all over the ground um they've got a great combination in the midfield obviously got trelorian in the offseason just to add to that but uh they've just got their guys that rack it up time after time dunkley the bond yeah. um who else they got? McRae and there's yep, a few McClane other guys it. that run through there. There's just uh, they're really they're gonna get their fair share of the ball. There's no doubt about that. It's just whether they can actually do something with it. And yeah, that's absolutely. That's even being aided further by the continued development of Tim English, and they got Steph Martin there to chop out as well. Yeah. So,
1: and that's looking like a really smart move.
0: Yeah, they didn't yeah. pay much for him, did they? But uh, no, uh, yeah. So that's functioning really well, and. Um, Causes of concern. I think we've already alluded to this. Can they put it on the scoreboard? Just like a lot of teams, um, you know, the hardest part is actually making use of whatever dominance you have on the game or, um, you know, all your possessions. Ultimately, it means very little if you actually can't translate that into goal. So even on the weekend, they got the win, but there were plenty of points. And um, yeah, it's just going to always be one of those things until they do have multiple established forwards it's always going to be a tricky thing to turn whatever dominance they have in the game into a score that'll that'll win the game for them
1: absolutely but early signs are good and yeah i mean there's no reason why they can't
0: don't want to be too pessimistic and like they can obviously develop this a bit um but uh yeah, it's just one of those things. It's not their strength, and it's just one of those things they always need to be working on, I suppose. Like, Yeah. Even go back to their premiership year, 2016, that was a makeshift forward line, and it got the job oh, done. 100%. So, you know, sometimes you can get away with it, but, you know, give them a, give them a good shot. if Just keep getting it in there, and um, yeah. hopefully they can continue to develop.
1: And their run's not too bad, I think, in the next few weeks. I haven't had a a lot of a look, but I think there's, you know, there's a couple of winnable can, games. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a few winnable games. So All
0: right, well, bank. that was pretty painless, I reckon, going through the 2-0 and o teams. That was the rosy side. Now we're <laughs> going to go to zero two, 2 um, And, you know, you don't want to be zero two, 2 do you? I don't think these teams don't have a good record of making the finals. You, play.
1: you really don't want to be 0-2 and two then. <laughs> um, the stat that I can point to right now is that since 2010, Four teams have gone on to make
0: the eight. Yeah, they're not good percentages.
1: <laughs> not good at all.
0: Uh, okay, so who is, tell us who is zero two and what are, what are we going to do with these teams? Are we going to just completely throw out the season or like is, is it retrievable? What, it's yeah, retrievable. What's going on here?
1: Well, I looked at these zero and two teams a little bit differently. I was actually trying to make a case for which one of them could bounce back. Okay, well, very optimistic, yeah. Um, But I guess... Well, we'll start off with the one I thought has that chance. Um, It's actually not as easy as you think.
0: (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah, you you got the hard
1: one. (laughs) uh, Yes, yes, I was up for the challenge and I didn't realise what I got myself into. But I still think that Brisbane can get it together. They don't have an easy run in the next few weeks and... They don't even know right now where the next game is going to be played, uh, but yeah. um, I still think there's just there's way too much there, and there's t- there's a lot of upside. I think if guys if Joey Denaher starts taking taking games on and, and functioning with Hipwood, there's a lot to like. Still, um, the only real contender to them as a possibility of success would be GWS, and I I couldn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm a lot. I'm even. I'm even cooler on them right now. Yeah uh, just don't they've know, quite know what's ride.
0: going on with uh Brisbane. Like they just look really flat. Like they were one of those teams last year that, you know, was so attacking, had such high energy, and for whatever reason they've just started the season really flat. You know, they've probably changed the way their forward line's functioning a bit with Danaher now. Cameron's not the um focal point anymore. I don't know how he's feeling about that, but Yeah, yeah they just look a little bit flat. Don't quite get it.
1: It's yeah. There's something not quite right. There's not something not quite right. And um, I mean, Lockie Neal's first two games have really been underwhelming. Uh, I think in his first game, I don't think he laid a tackle. Yeah, that's really very unlike strange. Lockie Neal, isn't it? So very unlike Lockie Neal. And um, yeah, I, I think they can turn turn it around. But um, that they we mentioned the guy before. But I think they're missing Stephen Martin. <laughs> I mean, they're... yeah, yeah. Um...
0: They did still use him a bit in the ruck last year. Like I know McInerney was probably doing most of it, especially in the second half of the year. But yeah, Stephen Martin is a great second guy to have just to yeah. get that little bit of impact. He's good around the ground even at his yeah, advanced absolutely. age. But <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah like it's probably a combination of things. But I think they're definitely missing Steph Martin.
1: Yeah. Um. It, yeah, look, I'm looking at GWS. Um, yeah, I... I... <laughs> It's early, but I really think that the window is probably closed on this particular group right now. They might have to take one step back to go forward. They're not that far off it, but I feel like there's going to be a mini transition here. Mm. They just lost a little bit too much talent, I think, in recent times.
0: Yeah, they did lose a lot in the last few trade periods, didn't they? And they just seem to, as a lot of teams do, like, when they're towards the bottom of the ladder, just generating a score at the moment is really hard for the Giants. Yeah. With their mechanics, and now they they don't have Cameron there anymore. Like, it's just it's just getting it's harder magical. and harder, isn't it?
1: It is. It is, and I think there'll be some short term pain there. Um, what does it mean just... for Leon Cameron then? Well, I think it's there'll be questions asked. I think um, it. Uh, I can't remember what's his name. Uh, Matthews was very. Uh, Oh, Very yeah. ho-hum on, on things, and I just think the pressure might intensify in the next six weeks if the results don't turn around. And I think they do have a pretty yeah.
0: tough run in the next four weeks. I heard somewhere that, you know, projecting, obviously it's just a projection, but if they don't turn things around a little bit, they could easily be, you know, one and five or zero and six. It's not that's, it's not an easy run.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, just quickly looking at it now, they've got they've got Melbourne next week, uh, you know, in decent form. And uh, a week after that, they've got they've got Collingwood down in Melbourne.
0: Yeah, and, another hard game. Yeah, after that, they got the it, Battle of the Bridge there somewhere. Battle of the Bridge. So,
1: yeah, it's. I mean, you know, can they win them? Yep, but they're also they're not the easiest opponents right now.
0: Yeah, I think they got to be unlucky in that their first game against St Kilda. I think they were probably the better team. Yeah. St Kilda just. You know, turn it on right at the end when it mattered. And you know, they did get a very lucky free kick. So yeah, GWS yeah. could have easily won that game. So maybe we we are going a little bit too maybe. overboard. but um,
1: uh, we'll give them a full month or yeah, or yeah. So but
0: yeah. even even saying that, I would not be surprised if they only win one of their next four games, or even none of them. So hopefully, Melbourne can make the yeah. most of that vulnerability. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's that's right. Um. And look, just to briefly look at the rest of these, um, real quickly, Carlton the North. Um, there's a lot to uh, a lot to like about the way Carlton are trying what they're trying to do. Um, there's a few guys there that I'm really impressed with. I actually, I really like watching Patricio Seton at the moment. I, I feel he's very similar to Cozzy Pickett in that he's always following up contests. He, he might yeah. go up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's. When it's up and running, they, they play some really attractive footy, but it's just not often enough, and it's the defense, they do isn't it, score.
0: Yeah, it's the defence, both the they games they've leaked over 100, so it's not a good sign. I think they're third most points against in the first couple of rounds, something like that.
1: Yes, I think that's, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Essendon, uh, I guess is not as bad as what, what their position is right now, and it seems like Ben Rutten's... Trying to focus on the defense part of the game first, and that didn't work very well at all on the weekend. Uh, they were playing some kind of zone, and um, they were just picked apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, i were just getting picked apart over and over again. And I, I'm not going to be too critical because I know that you have to sort of believe in what you're trying to do. And in six weeks, it might be much better. But um, yeah, that's it, that's a tough one. It's it's hard to see where they where they're going to kick a score as well at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think we flagged that last week, but they've lost another couple of forwards, Fantasia and Danaher, out, and like they, they did struggle with that last year as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure what the sources of optimism at the moment are for Essendon supporters. I don't know how much optimism they'd have around even you know having Ratten as a new coach. Uh, Rutten, sorry, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it'll be a hard sell for me. As a, um, I mean, the you still supporter. got
1: Tip and Woody who's. Still playing pretty good footy, but it's almost like you need him to kick a bag now every game to have a chance. So yeah. yeah, interesting one. And lastly is North. Look, I'm sorry to say to North fans, this is the very start of the rebuild.
0: Yeah, they've gone back to square That's one. That's it. That's yeah. it. 2021 20, is done. No more else to say there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just try and bring effort. That's They got rid of half their list, basically. So yes. starting from absolute ground zero. Yeah, so... yeah. You have to
1: expect this. Yeah. You have to expect
0: No surprises there. No. All right. So, not a whole lot of optimism around those zero two 2 teams, which is probably why they're 0-2. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, I think definitely, in theory, retrieval for Brisbane, at least to get into that top eight. Probably for GWS, they're probably the other most likely one, although we yeah. both weren't too optimistic on them either. <laughs> no. no. All right. Footy time. Friends, uh, that's what I like to call you guys. So, we did ditch this for a couple of weeks, but um, I'm going to bring it back true or false. So, it's going to make us uh, take a stance and we'll see um, whether we agree or to disagree on a couple of these issues we've got here. Um, so, I'll pose them to you first, Johnny, and yep. then I'll chime in with uh, whether I agree or disagree and give some reasoning there as well. So, a couple of these. Uh, Might either seem a little bit random, like in last week's news cycle, or um, just completely random. But, you know, it's what interests us, so hopefully you find it interesting too. All right, first one. Dangerfield was harshly done by with his three-week suspension for his head-high bump.
1: (laughs) Um, Be careful what you say here, Johnny. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A very big part of me wants to say true, because I love the bump, you know, I love physical footy, but it's clearly stated now that this is what they're trying to get out of the game, the head, yeah. the head, high contact. And, you know, was there malice? I don't think there was. Um, but look, it's been made pretty clear that if you elect to bump and it doesn't work out in a positive way, um, you're done. There's consequences. Yeah. And, I th- also think that if you, um, that, that if these, um, I guess, agendas and rules and rule changes and yeah, things from the umpires and the tribunal, if they sort of, if they lay that out at the start of the year, the one player I'd expect to be across it would be the president of the AFLPA. You would
0: hope so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going for false here? Oh, I'm going for false. Yeah. I-, I would tend to agree with you, Johnny. I actually was surprised by how. Um, stark some of the reaction was to this to me it's yeah. cut and dry like we've had this for years now if you elect a bump and you get someone in the head he, if, especially if the guy goes off concussed you're going to get a certain number of weeks there was no need for him to do it like no, the ball wasn't there the play had moved on why did Dangerfield have to go in there and put his body into the other guy as soon as he does that yeah He's in the lap of the gods if if there's some sort of contact between the elbow and the head or the head and the head, you know. Or if it slips
1: up to the yeah, head. Like, yeah, like
0: it's completely, um, it's completely his, his own fault. And the whole idea of everyone coming out and defending Dangerfield or saying, you know, this is part of the game, it's not part of the game. No. <laughs> they've, they've, they're saying it's not part of the game anymore because we don't want people going off with concussion and we don't want people developing... Uh, disorders later in life because of too much head trauma like i don't i don't understand why this is still a conversation it really. was
1: it was a it was pretty horrific vision really what happened um to, it was uh kelly wasn't it um just seeing him down seeing him being his sister it, it wasn't a good look i thought and um yeah i mean look you could give him one week you could even give him two and go oh yeah you know that's all right they'll learn their lesson well they're not learning the lessons. Yeah. So this is about the example. It's not. A, it's got nothing to do with Patrick Dangerfield. It's just about, this is the right thing to do now. Yeah. We've got to get this out.
0: But maybe, and I know a lot of people won't like me saying this, but maybe the AFL isn't actually going hard enough on this. If they actually really want to stamp this action out of the game, then... Maybe three weeks are too little. Well, that as well, but just like... It should just be like that automatic. Like if you elect to... Bump and it goes high. Even if the guy doesn't get knocked out, like I would be an advocate of. Even if Kelly got up and was fine, I would be an advocate of just saying, "Yep, you did the action. You hit him in the head three weeks." Like if yeah. you were really serious about getting out of the game, you would actually penalize the action as well as the result. If you, because you don't, you don't know when it's actually gonna cause the harm and when it's not. But what you do know is he wouldn't get. Can cast and he wouldn't have the effects later in life if you don't get hit in the head, right?
1: So I I don't know where the shift occurred from the action being punished to the level of damage Mm. being punished, yeah, and how hurt someone was.
0: Yeah, it does seem strange, doesn't it? But like to me, it's cut and dry if you don't want people hitting other people in the head, then. You know, penalise the action as well as the consequence. And I know the AFL is not going to do that, but you know, if I was in charge of the AFL, that's what I would do, and everyone would hate me. But then you'd get rid of it. So you know, if you're really... actually with
1: you on that, Dan. Though I, 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 I'm so fatigued with hearing this this story over and over. It we just had round two and we were still hearing about it. It's Exactly. It, it, yeah. yeah, it was just became boring in the interview. It, it's honestly.
0: just the same thing over and over and over. And you know. Everyone pipes up and says, "Oh, the bump's dead," and blah blah blah. The mm. bump is not dead. If you no. execute it properly, you're fine. If you hit someone in the head, yeah, you're going to sit out for almost a month. Like I don't, That's right. I don't see whether why there has to be all this grey area. And you know, it's the AFL, so this will probably just keep going on for another ten years. So <laughs> let's just I'm move not dead on. No about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, true or false: The umpires should not be the ones doing the votes for the Brownlow Medal. What do you reckon, Johnny?
1: <laughs> yes, well, I have a slightly different take on this. I think, long story short, I think this is false. <laughs> However, I think the umpires that umpire that particular game should not vote on that game. I think oh. umpires should vote on other games.
0: So it's basically part of being an umpire is you've got to sit down and watch other games. <laughs> Is that what you say? Well,
1: if, they, if they're going to sit down and do their votes for the game that they just did, after, I mean, I may, may as well watch another one. Yeah. <laughs> but look, the reason I say this is yeah, because okay. for such a long time, it has felt like that this medal is two things. A top four medal and a midfielder's medal. Yeah. You've got umpires who are usually around the midfielders. I mean, it's just, you're never going to get someone like Darcy Moore or clocking up enough votes to nah. you know win a Brownlee. Um, I don't think... That they should take it away from the umpires because that's something that makes this medal quite unique. In, it's definitely in other, unique in because of that. Um, but I do think that it it does get a little bit warped when um, you know it, it's not really. It doesn't have to be a completely level playing field, but it would no. be nice to see other players feature a bit more every now and then.
0: It does seem like you know the popular player award, like even. When it's not the player who's winning it, like it's the popular player, Scott Penelbury always polls well. Dangerfield yeah. always polls well. Like these are guys that are good players, but you know they can have a bit of a down day and still get votes. It's yeah. To me, it's a little bit of a broken system. Personally, I would prefer to take it off the umpires, but you know that's never going to happen. So I'm not too worried about it. But it's maybe just, the former umpires. Yeah, maybe it's just not something I really care about that much anymore. Like I used to love the Brownlow Medal, but. Yeah, just some of the voting over the years. It's just uh, yeah, I just yeah, the haven't has enjoyed it. It's been as taken much. away a bit, yeah. Yeah. So like you said, it's a midfielders award. It just seems a little bit arbitrary to me in a way now. I probably put more stock in the coaches award now actually. Good point. Good point, yeah. They, they know how the game's being played, they know they know, it, yeah. they know Absolutely. what's um, needed and whoever's, you know, getting the nine or ten votes. I I don't think I would ever really disagree with who they're saying is best on ground. So that and they're looking at impact. Like the umpires to me probably aren't really looking at impact as much. The you know it's no. more about you know who's just racking up the possessions, um, who stands out, and, and who doesn't give them
1: a hard time. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like the fairest part of the award. So yeah, we got the Brownlow. It's a pretty good award to me. It's not that important anymore. But I know a lot of people would disagree with that. <laughs> all right we're running out of time so let's just do one more of these so this is another really contentious one true or false johnny the umpires need to be hotter on the illegal disposal part of holding the ball and of course what brought this on was uh, the decision (laughs) in the last 10 seconds or so of the brisbane geelong game where blitzavs Tried to do a one-handed handball. And, of course, you can't do a one-handed handball because you need two hands to handball. Yeah, it was not holding the ball. Disgust. Not
1: to mention after doing maybe two full revolutions in the
0: tackle. Trying to break the tackle. <laughs> yeah. He got. He was, let, let's just say he was lucky. But that's not the question here, is it? It's no. do we need the umpires to be hotter on uh, the illegal disposal? So I'm saying this is a positive statement. So are we true or falsing here? Are we agreeing or disagreeing?
1: This is absolutely true. Um I think that, I mean, it wasn't just that decision. There was also one earlier in that game. I think where Cam Guthrie pretty much just uh, ran through a tackle like it was a rugby scrum and then threw it out to Selwood and he snapped yeah. a goal. Um, And the whole game, I felt like there were a lot of great tackles that just weren't getting rewarded. I mean, we spoke last week about the rule changes with the stand rule and how that's helped the game, you know, flow better. But sometimes I do feel like if they could just nail these rules a bit better, that would also help the aesthetics of the game.
0: I think something um, related to this, I don't know how long ago it was now, but I think they actually loosened the interpretation on holding the ball a while ago to try and actually free out the play a little bit more. So just letting the ball spill out more and, you know, stay in motion but okay yeah so yeah. like there is a difference you know if the ball comes out in the tackle that's not holding the ball so to me i think we just if it was me guiding the umpires i would just say just dial up a little bit harsher on this interpretation if you think the player has not disposed of the ball properly and you're you know 90% sure it hasn't been knocked out in the tackle that's holding the ball I think most people would be happier with that. you got to reward the tackler. If, if the person's not disposing of it and it's not getting knocked out, it's holding the ball.
1: I think everyone has gotten it into their head that you can't have... I mean, the prior opportunity part, and you can't have one without the other. So it's always prior first and then if it was incorrect yeah. disposal. Um, if there's no prior... It's probably a little bit harsh to just if and it gets knocked out in the tackle. Then you know that's going to be a bit harsh. I think. Yeah, no, no, but, but
0: that's not what I was
1: saying. Like, no, you, you, no, 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 no. I understand that. Yeah. Um, it's just, but it's another thing that adds another layer to it. And I know it's, it's a yeah, complex yeah. rule.
0: That's why I think we need to simplify it. And there is that bit of misunderstanding that you brought up there. To be given illegal disposal, you actually don't have to have prior. You just have to illegally dispose of the ball. So if you yeah. have the ball in your possession and you get tackled, no matter if whether you've had prior or not, if you drop the ball, by the letter of the law, that should be holding the ball.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that, this is balls not getting knocked out in the tackle. It's literally just they've dropped the ball. Yeah. I and, think that's incorrect disposal.
0: And the clearest example is whether the player has one arm pinned because if you've got one arm pinned the ball's not going to get knocked out in the tackle because the guy's tackling you <laughs> and yeah. you, you're holding the ball. There's actually no way you can dispose of the ball like that. So either That's you right. hold onto it or you drop it. So or I think that, that could it's... be a cue for the umpires. Like, if the person has one hand and they somehow get rid of the ball, it's just automatically a free kick because there's actually... Unless they can actually get, you know, the boot to it. But if they don't get a boot to it, then hold the ball.
1: That's a really good point that you bring up there because... In the old days, especially in junior footy, we were taught to pin the arms in a tackle. I mean, if you can pin the arms, that's a brilliant tackle. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. And, yeah, if they can somehow get a, a boot to it, then good on them. But I think that yeah. kind of tackle should be rewarded, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, you know, everyone loves a good holding the ball. You get the whole ball chat oh, going. And yeah, <laughs> but yeah I think it's just the rewarding line. the tackle a, a little bit more... Um, really being on the lookout for when this illegal disposal is happening, even if there is no prior opportunity um, I'd be a lot happier. <laughs>
1: the thing that made it interesting, though, was that the AFL came out and they said they blew the call. They got it wrong. I mean, so what does that mean now? Are they going to do this every time a bad decision is made? Like, it, yeah. I thought it was really strange.
0: Yeah, I can see that side of it. I, I'm, I'm glad they did come out and say that. I'm Just, glad they
1: did too. But, but
0: yeah, like yeah. I, I get your point. Like, you know, where is the line? <laughs> it sets a precedent.
1: Yeah. It does set a bit of a precedent.
0: Yeah. All right, Johnny, that brings us to another episode of Footy Time. We've had a great chat today. So thanks Absolutely. again for joining me. No problem. So just a reminder, if you have any uh, questions or topics you'd like us to discuss on the show, uh, you can reach us on Mail at gmail.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed Footy Time, Uh, make sure to let your friends and family know that uh, there's a bit of good banter happening here and uh, spread the word a little bit it'd be great and uh, thanks again for joining us make sure you join us next week for more footy time